Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you, as always. Uh, the Thompsons celebrated our, our 13th anniversary in Athens uh, this past Friday. It's been messy. It's been wonderful. Thank you for all the food, the prayers, the love, uh, furniture, and household stuff. So it, there's no way to do it without the church. But it is a great blessing to be among 115 nations at the University of Georgia. So thank you for uh, letting us ride on your coattails another year. The first thing I ever learned about God was what we sang just now. He's the king of love. He's the shepherd. I heard that. God brought it home to me when I was at camp in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina at Lookup Lodge and Camp. And it was, it was like a grain of sand that got stuck in this oyster. And over the years, God's been able to layer through the church, through meeting with me, a pearl. Jesus is the pearl. He's worth everything. He is everything. He will do everything right. The passage we have this morning takes place in a graveyard, takes place among the dead, where we have all been to see friends and family members. We got the news that one of Caroline's aunts has cancer, the word we all hate, that, that never seems to leave you alone or your family alone or your life alone. And so Jesus specifically announces the good news that he is in front of a dead man's grave. So look in your bulletin or turn your Bible to John chapter 11, where we will read the story about Jesus as the good news, that he's the resurrection. Just before he says this, just before, just before he goes to see his friend Lazarus, Jesus says something very important. He says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice and they will follow me. And I will never let anything snatch my sheep out of my hand, nor will the Father let any, anything snatch my sheep out of his hand, because fa the Father and I are one. It's like instead of one hand on our lives, we have two hands on our lives. We have a, trini a Trinitarian shepherd holding on to our life. And death is a snatcher. I felt this more over this summer as we learn about all the terrible things happening around the world, all the terrible things happening in our country, all the terrible things that happen in Athens, all the terrible things that happen in my life. And I feel like it's just one big grab. And death seems to hold all the cards and wins every single hand. And so Jesus is very kind to stick his face into this world again this Sunday and say, death cannot snatch my sheep from me. And I will speak to my sheep and you cannot help but come to me. And that's what I believe this passage teaches. Now, we'll get the Google Earth picture here real quick. John is a biography of Jesus by one of Jesus' disciples. He begins with this announcement that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
is singled out among all of humanity to meet us at the point of our greatest need is that we have this sin clinging to us, that we have not loved God, that we have not loved our neighbor, that we are self-absorbed, that we are narcissistic, that we are resume builders, that it's for us, that's for me, that you exist for my sake. And Jesus says, oh, I have come not to give you a more teaching. I have come to rescue you. I have come to deliver you. I have come to save you by taking that on me and giving you the love that I lived for 33 years. Then at the end of John, he says, you know, guys, ladies, Jesus did a lot of things. And there are a lot of signs out there that he gave. But these signs in the book of John are specifically personalized for you, that you may know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's, he's really been sent by God to save that you will believe in him and that you'll have life in his name. And so the first part of John is sign after sign after sign tailored for you in Athens, Georgia, or tailored for people down there in Peru, or tailored for people who live in Russia or Africa. It doesn't matter because the signs are for all people at all times because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're just going to look at one of those signs. And God knows this about you and me. He knows that we're sign people, that we are wrapped up in signs, that we give our money because of signs. Uh, if you went to Disney World or whatever it is in Florida, Disneyland, you, you followed the signs and you didn't get out of your car when you saw the green interstate sign saying Disneyland here or your children would have rioted. You, would have, you went on to, it was urging you on, it was pressing you on to go, go, go. Follow that, follow that arrow. Yesterday we watched The Godfather. And I had forgotten how intense it was. And it was, it was incredible. And it was, it reminded me about uh, something somebody said that uh, the church and the mafia have a great deal in common. One is that uh, you have to be bad to get in. And then uh, you're in a family once you get in. And also that you need to know how to diagnose people if you're going to make it. And if you're going to be able to get involved with the lives of people. Mobsters are really good diagnosers, at least in the movie. But uh, Don Corleone is the godfather. And his godson had a problem. He wanted to be a, a movie star in a particular movie to get his career built up. It was Johnny Fontaine, actually. So he asked the godfather to, to, to talk to, to make a, a deal with the director of the movie who was the roadblock. So the, the, count, the family counselor goes out to Hollywood to see the director. And the director says, heck no, I'm not going to let Johnny Fontaine in my film. Has just this temper tantrum and kicks out Don Corleone's counselor. Before he kicked him out, he showed him his prize horse cartoon. 
And so the scene shifts to the next morning. And you, rem- and you hear, you remember when you saw this scene? Uh, you've got to go see this movie. But you remember the music starts to play and you have the director's palat- palatial estate. And then it focuses in on his bedroom window. And then he goes into the bedroom and he's asleep. And then you get the sense that something is wrong because it looks like blood on the sheet. Now, I thought he was dead. But Don Corleone was not interested in killing the director because he wanted the director to put his godson in the movie. But when the director woke up and he began to sense that it was not just another morning, and he pulled back the sheet, and there is blood, and he thinks it's his, his blood, and then he pulls back the sheet, and there is the head of Khartoum in his bed. And it was a son. Now the screaming, you know, echoed throughout the, the mansion. But it was a sign from Don Corleone to that director, I am powerful and I am giving you a deal you cannot refuse. And Johnny Fontaine got the part. It was a sign. Boy, there were all kinds of signs in this movie. And signs change direction. And Jesus is holding up a massive sign. Change direction to me. Because I am the resurrection. I bring life from the dead. I am the good shepherd. And this is the uniform which I wear. For I myself have been raised from the dead. The first of all my people. So here we go, John 11. This is God's word. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of, from the village of Mary and Martha and his sister. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. For it is the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let me just say this real quick. You put your hands in, we put our hands in the hand of the shepherd. He is not a trained performer. He may not come. Or he will not come. Until it is absolutely necessary For us, but especially for him, especially for God's glory, that he comes. And this is a raw time among the people that he loves. And he didn't come when they wanted him. Verse 7. Then after this he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews who are just now seeking to stone you, and the Jews were, ju- now, were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, If he has fallen asleep, he will recover. 
Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us go, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning, concerning their brother. So when Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she met him. She went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And it's the whole point of John. Do you believe this? Martha, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was coming into the world. When she said this, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise, rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary had come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And this is God's word. Let us pray. 
Father, thank you that it, uh, at, at this point in our life, we all intersect with your living word, with this sign. Would you urge us ahead to trust in you, to believe in you. Jesus, just as you were with Mary and Martha and the crowd and the people, the disciples, you're speaking to us. Trust in me. Follow me. See what I'm doing. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a believing soul as we need you in this deadly world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus himself is only about 10 days away from being put in his own tomb, wrapped in linen cloths, not in a manger, but in another man's grave. He didn't even have his own grave. Jesus is running out of time but he has a sign he wants to show to the world. And he does it at such a raw time. This passage is so full of emotion. It's one of the most emotional sections of the whole Bible. And the emotion that is so present for us from the very beginning, because we learn about Jesus' love for Lazarus and Mary and Martha, we see that Jesus takes the accusations, if you had been here, this would not have happened. How many times have we said to God, if you had done this, then this would not have happened? The people have said, the people are saying, couldn't this man who opened the eyes of the blind, why couldn't he have prevented this from happening? And Jesus is not ready to prevent anything until he is ready for the stage of the sign, which is, I am the resurrection. Mary and Martha knew this. They knew there was going to be a resurrection. Lots of religions teach there's going to be a resurrection. But the difference in what you hear from all religions versus what you hear from Jesus is Jesus says, it's not about, you're not going to raise yourself. Your good works can't raise you. I will raise you. I'm a shepherd. I have sheep. They hear my voice, they follow me, and death cannot separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's impossible. Now, I called this sermon, it's not a movie sermon, I promise, but Invasion of the Body Snatcher because of that wretched movie that came out in 1978. And if you heard a body snatcher cry out, it sounds like somebody raking, a, some of you don't even know what a chalkboard is, but you, if you, you could find one in an antique store and you run your nails down and it sounds like the body snatcher. And people are being snatched. I learned something about this word snatch that you find in John 10 that Jesus says, no one can snatch you out of my hand. I learned from my, my Greek buddy, UGA graduate, now living in Athens, Georgia, that that word for snatch can be described of that incredible experience of some tiger in our case, a bulldog, laying hold of its prey, clamping down with its teeth and jaw muscles on its prey, and you can't snatch its prey out of its mouth. 
It's impossible. There is no other word that is better suited to describe death than this word of a ferocious animal devouring its prey. And Jesus says, I am that ferocious, I am that powerful, and when I seize you, not because you are so good, but because I am so good, I will keep you and keep you and keep you. One of the quotes on the front of the bulletin is a favorite of mine. When you get to preach, you can be the bully pulpit, you can, you can do this, the order of worship and all those things. But the quote, I love them all. I think the Ecclesiastes quote really gets into just the whole anguish of the world. It gets us emotional about all the, these, these wrong things. Death is not natural. It is the most unnatural reality. Growing old. I turn 50 next year. It is not supposed to be this way. My son is not supposed to be faster than me. It's all wrong. Death is wrong. And we get caught up in the wheels of, of daily life, the wheels of paying the bills, the wheels of who's not doing what I want them to do, and all these wheels. And I love this master wheel. This is why we're here, this part of why we're here this morning is Jesus says, look to me, I'm the master wheel. I turn. And everything turns because I turn. And every circumstance, every context of your life if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is bound up in all the cogs and pulleys and belts and all these things to this master wheel. Take your eyes. You can ignore these little wheels, but look. I am at work. We say that all the time here. We can't hear it enough. God is at work. We also, in our dialogue with God, we were told that the steadfast love and the justice of God, and the righteousness of God. These are things in which God delights. Praise God, he delights in that. We don't delight enough in it, but we know we need it. This day, this day of resurrection to which Jesus is holding up a sign, pointing to the future, is when those things kiss. Steadfast love, righteousness, justice. It is absolutely just that God should forgive us because Jesus has fully paid for all of my sins. It is just that someone like me or someone like you can be forgiven. It is just. But it's also a picture of God's steadfast love because he's not a machine. Jesus is not a machine. Look at the emotion. Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He waited two days to even go see the poor man. Mary and Martha's eyes must have been falling out of their sockets because they're looking down the road. Where is he? Where is he? The message has gone out. He hasn't come. My brother's breath is getting more shallow. Jesus, where are you? You know they've been saying this to themselves over and over. If Jesus will come, Lazarus will be okay. And when he comes, it's going to be okay. He hasn't come. Lazarus is dead. He's not even here. Jesus is not even here for the funeral. Jesus is upset. Jesus is fully human. He knows he's going to raise this man. Yet he's, he's not just some 
walk out there with no feelings whatsoever. This very day, somewhere, somewhere in reality, Jesus is fully human with a body. I guess he looks 33 years old. But he is fully human with all the emotions that we have, yet without sin. And he is not indifferent or cold towards me or you about the circumstances of your life. I know in the power of God, he comes alongside us. We may not even know it. But he wept. He is moved. He is greatly troubled. See how he loved him. And it's not just love and grief and brokenness. There is also anger here. This word in verse 38 that says Jesus deeply moved can be uh, written as snorted like a bull in front of a red flag. Enraged. Angry. I'm not sure all the things which makes Jesus angry at this point, but certainly it is, it is the destruction of death. The wages of sin is death. And maybe he's angry just about this, the whole thing. I don't know. He's angry yet without sin. And he, it's as though he's looking about what's going to be like for him ten days from now. His, I mean, how would you feel about being humiliated the way Jesus was? to be betrayed by those who are close to you, and so forth. But he's also saying, I am fully God. I am not giving you a moral story about this future, future resurrection, you better be good. I am the day. I am the moment. I am, you are absolutely unattachable from me if you're my sheep. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus Christ does not come, in our lifetime, we will be put into a grave. Well, the trend now is to, um, what's it called when you, uh, um, not incinerate, is that right? Cremate, cremate, cremate. We'll all be somehow put into some vessel or some grave. But I want to tell you, this is what Jesus is saying. Now, we'll let you go with this. If he comes one million years from now, which I think is possible. We are still his sheep. And someday he's going to speak and we will come. We cannot help but come. We will come out of the grave. Because that word snatch is used somewhere else in the context of the death of Jesus' sheep. 1 Thessalonians 4, go look at it sometime. It says that the dead and those who are alive are going to be caught up in the air to meet Jesus. Guess what that verb is for being caught up in the air? Snatched from the grave or from the street. It's the same resurrection because it's the same Jesus who loves us and gave his life for us. Here's the sign in the resurrection. You take your busy faith. You trust in him. You go there every day. He's there. He's working. 
Let us pray. Father, another sign you gave is that you're the bread of life. It's given to people who are on a a trip, on a pilgrimage, home. Thank you that you're bringing us home. We're one day closer to home. So feed us, feed us, feed us, that you're the resurrection and the life. And even if we die, yet shall we live. We praise you for coming into this sad and broken world and giving us signs. And you will carry out all to which the signs point. Speak on and snatch on. In Jesus' name, amen. If the uh, elders will come forward for...